Hey, everybody. I just wanted to remind you real quick that I'm still doing this charity drive for my fifth grader, Garrett, who has a cancerous brain tumor. Um, I've already raised nearly $4,000. I'm currently at $3,859 thanks to over 70 different people that have donated, and a lot of them are listeners, uh, a bunch of people, uh, a handful of people in England that listen to the show have donated. Uh, people from all over the country that don't don't know my student uh, have donated, and that is just wonderful. And I've had kids at school bringing in envelopes of money uh, that their moms have allowed them to uh, buy a Mr. Simpson uh, band shirt or podcast shirt. And I've had even kids bring in an envelope of uh, nickels and dimes and quarters that clearly they, you know, care enough about uh, this, you know, they feel empathy for this student uh, that's in their school or, you know, in the case of my two schools, they might not even know the kid either, bringing in a bunch of their their piggy bank change to buy a, a couple of stickers, you know? I had a kid bring in $6 worth of change just so he could buy three of the Outdoor Valor stickers. So I just wanted to remind you that you can go to any of my band's uh, band camps and buy a CD, a shirt, uh, download, and they're all, you know, have a minimum price, but then you can pay what you want, so you can overpay as much as you'd like. One of my parents' friends bought a uh, the five-song They'll Need a Crane uh, live tribute EP on this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com. I think I had it listed as, I have all those listed as $0, uh, but they paid $100. So it was just super generous. I've had a couple of my big name guests and some contacts I've made that have donated money uh, for a kid they don't know. So I greatly appreciate all of you that have given. If you haven't already, uh, one way you could do it, this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com. Or you can check out my band's music. I've played them a couple of times. I'm always mentioning them, of course. Outdoorvalor.bandcamp.com. Doppelpopolis.bandcamp.com. And then there's the Patreon. So if you'd like to join, uh, now's the time. uh, My May take, I'm going to donate all of it. Currently, I'm at $220. So I'll be donating all of that. Uh, I'm also eating some costs on my merchandise, like considering that part of my donation by losing money on those uh i just ordered some more shirts because i'm running out of them uh but i do have outdoor velour shirts a few doppelpapla shirts and plenty of this might be podcast shirts which are available for a limited time to non-patrons so if you want to rep the show and wear a t-shirt uh, but can't you know join on a monthly basis uh send me a message at this might be a pod at gmail.com or uh, the Google Voice number, you can even text me there. It's 224-801-2930. Or if we're Facebook friends, just hit me up with a message. Get get at me, and I'll find a way for you to get a T-shirt. They're $25, which is a little bit extra, but that's because it's for charity. Or you can join the Patreon to up my May uh, take. Even if you just join for May and then get out, that's fine. You could jump in, get your... Buttons, stickers, magnets mailed to you. Download all the exclusive episodes. There's like 30 of them. Uh, miscellaneous trans episodes. Gay might be giants episodes, which is crews of just awesome people in the LGBTQ communities. Uh, had episodes with all accordion players, all uh, violin players. My, my next one is with all sax players. And I've got an exclusive coming uh, with four artists 
from uh, four artists talking about, uh, we talk about the art on book that has been released uh, through the MIP Giants, as well as the 1991 and 1992 art. So that's Art Talk Part 3. That'll be coming out very soon. So get on Patreon, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. Jump in in May, and then jump out if you'd like. Uh, but uh, up that cost, so uh, forcing me to donate more to Garrett. Garrett is not doing very well. Not only can he not get out of bed, um, but he can barely open his eyes. And I'm really, really worried about him. So uh, anything you can give, you know, you know, join the two dollar tier. That you know, that would be something, and I would really appreciate it. And I know the family would too. So yeah, I'm almost up to four thousand uh, dollars. Next week, I'll be meeting mom uh, with a check. Uh, it's put toward Garrett's medical expenses and their travel expenses because they are having to go to Indianapolis and then up to Chicago for his chemo. And radiation. So he's got a long road ahead of him, and I really want him to pull through. And to do so, he needs these these treatments. So give if you can. If you can't, uh, don't feel obligated. But yeah, you know, uh, get a T-shirt, join the Patreon, buy one of my band's albums. Uh, you know, whatever you like. Get yourself something cool while uh, helping out a uh, needy child whose family is uh, in a really really tough spot. So. Uh, thanks for hearing me out. Sorry for the long intros. Uh, now we've got a mailbag segment. We've got a voicemail from uh, a newbie, someone I'm just starting to get to know. Uh, she's a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a warm flower tortilla. It's uh, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Greg. It's Sarah. Um, I considered uh, trying to learn Stilub. Uh It's more challenging than the hour that I might have to plan such a thing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this is about Music Jail, parts one and two. Not going to just do one part. That would be lazy. Um, so, yeah, uh, after listening to your cast, my opinion uh, <laughs> is uh, that uh, my translation is... Uh, that music jail is a new or a night, and these people coming up are like their uh, guerrilla advertising campaign, you know. People just go out into the streets and ask random people, you know, where you going, buddy? Uh, <laughs> and try to convince them to come to their their venue's outcast band night. Um for bands that don't fit well into a specific genre, or maybe they're a little too out there, they, they, they're in music jail. Um, and uh, at the end, uh, the character, you know, he, you know, he was a member of music jail. He was into it for a while, but now he's he's starting to have second thoughts. He's done his time, and he's still not getting anywhere. Uh, he wanted to become famous, maybe, I don't know. But he at least he wanted to be seen by the right people. He wanted his work to get him somewhere, and it's not working out for him. Uh, so he wants to just escape that scene. Uh, he's done doing time in music jail. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> long-winded uh, version <laughs> of the concise uh, Facebook post I wrote earlier. Uh, but... uh 
Yeah, Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love is a very good song, and I look forward to hearing this episode then. (laughs) All right, have a good night. And then we've got another voicemail from our dude Chris Oliveira from Florida. Uh, You've heard him on the Reprehensible episode, the Experimental Film episode, a Patreon Peeps uh, bonus episode. Uh, He's got a uh, a hot tip on here in a cool Music Jail uh, version. Here's Chris. Hey, Greg. Thanks for another great episode. For those that are looking for a Quiet Storm version of Music Jail, go to the Miscellaneous Tea Facebook group and search for the show from January 10th, uh, 2020 at Bowery Ballroom. And there is a great recording of that show where they did that song as a Quiet Storm song. Anyway, thanks for another great episode. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Anyone can call in and leave me a voicemail. It's 224-801-2930. And leave me some feedback if you would rather do an email. This might be a pod at gmail.com. Now, on with the show. Still the Sapphire Bullets with Rick, Mommy, and OG fan. Here we go. My fellow Lafayette residents, I wish you could be here in the studio with me. It's it's fun, you know. It's not often that I get uh, people. I've I've actually had someone drive from Chicago to do it in person with me. Oh, cool! Uh, one time, wow. Uh, Spencer Parks, what's up? Uh, we did two. We did two episodes and uh, saved one for later when we did that. But uh, that was that was some dedication right there. But yeah, um, it is. It's it's so fun to do them in studio. I got like a whole extra boom radio arm here and everything right my guests can use and i haven't been able to put it to use much lately but uh well i get my second i get my second shot next week so i'll be cool after that oh man there aren't that many many perks to being old but that's one right there (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm ahead of the vaccine line. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and really, I only asked just for how it, it plays into your fandom of They Might Be Giants. Can I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 66. OG. That's me, an OG. Are you, are you from Lafayette? No, no. I've been here since uh, 78. But before, since before I was born. Yeah, since before you were born. But before that, <laughs> I was I I grew up in northern India, Halbert. Okay, yeah. so you're a you're a Hoosier through and through, though. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Well, let's get into that, man. I want to know how you became a fan of uh, of They Might Be Giants. Well, I'll tell you um, when the WIIZ, the Wizard Radio Station that I worked at for a while, uh, was an alternative station um and we played a lot of really really cool stuff um and this was like what years we talking this would have been, this was uh well flood was out flood was that year whatever the year that was, 90, that was 1990 yeah that was the big that was that was like yeah 1990 that would have been right yeah yeah and so um and we played a, a number of cuts from they might be giants and i'd heard some but but I you know I got more immersed in that. And then I had a copy of Flood, and I listened to that over and over again. And you know, and I was I was definitely drawn to the uh, the Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love, the title, because I I was aware I knew about that. You know, so I, I oh, you you knew about the um, and I'm always feeling like I'm going to say their name wrong. The uh, the Mahavishnu Ma- Orchestra. Mahavishnu Orchestra. I, I'd heard that. First, and the funny part, well, a couple of funny things. For one thing, it's interesting that, you know, they made a, a, a really short song out of that title. And the, the title on the Mahavishnu Orchestra record is like 20 seconds. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, the kind of spacey feeling that us, uh, like Prague and Fusion nerds, sort of demanded back then. We had to have, oh, yes, had to have yes. some wizardry in there. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will drop that in here for people to hear. Yeah, it's funny. It almost takes you longer to say Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love than it is for the song to pass by. <laughs> I was timing that today, actually. Was, <laughs> I can pretty much say Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love in five seconds, but still, that's that's a that's twenty five percent of the of the cut on the Mahavishnu record. So I had never heard these guys until I was looking into the song, and so I was listening to it on the way back from work. This album. Uh, 1973, uh, Birds of Fire, their second album, and man, it is some wild stuff. Yeah, I got that. I got the Birds of Fire record. Um, my dad was a, a jazz drummer, uh, and, a, and a good one too, a very good jazz drummer. Um, and he he was a he joined Columbia Record Club, you know, and he got like eleven uh-huh. albums for a dollar fifty or something, whatever it was back then, two two right, pence right. or a bag of hay or whatever <laughs> we used for currency back then. But uh and he didn't turn his monthly thing in one month and it and the jazz selection of the month was the was Birds of Fire. And yeah. him being a traditional wow. jazz dude, he put it on and says, I don't know what the hell it is. It sounds like some of that drug stuff you listen to. Why don't you take it? <laughs> It's definitely got psychedelic elements, but yeah, you said Prague. You well, mentioned Prague before. It's definitely yeah. I mean, they were a muscular I, band, and and you know there were other incarnations of that 
have banned over the years, but that the Bird of, Birds of Fire kind of classic um, lineup there with Billy Cobham and Jan Hammer and all of that. They were they were amazing and, and incredible. So that, yeah, so the title caught my eye when I first looked at Flood, and I thought, what? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. In a, a 2009 Rolling Stone interview, I guess right right before the 20th anniversary of Flood, yeah, Linnell says, uh, I thought it would be good to expand on the title of a very short instrumental Mahavishnu Orchestra album cut from the 70s. Bullets of Love is a funnily dissonant idea. And that was a few years before the Sex Pistols arrived. Yeah, it is a dissonant idea. <laughs> so, so, I know, Bullets of Love makes it seem like it's, uh, without without saying anything dirty, Linnell's saying something a little dirty there. <laughs> you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra around that time came came up with a lot of that sort of thing. Uh, uh, John McLaughlin was a follower of this guy, Shri Chin Moy, and, mm-hmm. and that was some of his uh, imagery and, and stuff like that made it way it made its way into those titles. He got Carlos Santana involved in that. For, you know, oh, wow. Played. Yeah. And they, oh, and also that um, uh, McLaughlin, is that the main guy's name? McLaughlin, yeah. McLaughlin. Yeah. Uh, he was in Miles Davis's band right. for, for yeah. a little bit there, yeah? Yeah, That's Miles crazy. called one tune, John McLaughlin. So, I, you know, that's one of those things. You can be cool, but you can't be Miles Davis naming a song after you're cool. You know, well, and then here and then here on Birds of Play, Prey, he's got one called Miles Beyond. Right, right. So, the, so they yeah, traded that, that back and forth. And and uh, Bob Vishnu was a, um, an influence in places you, you wouldn't necessarily know. Like on uh, they opened for Frank Zappa a bunch of times. That makes and sense. Frank changed his band. Um, I saw this video of drummers, of Frank Zappa's drummers, and after, like, I think he was standing with the, the one, uh, the, the Vibes player, and, and, and they were talking, and, and uh, Mahavishnu was sound checking, and he said, you know, I, I'd like to do something more in that sort of direction, and so he kind of changed his band a little bit, and he got George Duke involved more in, in the band, and uh, Jean-Luc Ponty and all of that stuff, so. And uh, so, yeah, so that was, so, so any, so the, the, the Bob Vishnu was my connection to Flood. The first time I picked it up, because just my eye just went to that. Yeah. Went to that title. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty obvious that it's, that it's lifted when, you know, to someone who had already known it, which I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've always liked wordplay. Yeah. I, I love, I love wordplay. I love that with, with TMBG, the, the, the way with words. Um, and it's it's intelligent music. It's stuff you don't have to feel stupid for having listened to. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and we'll talk like- all about those lyrics. What's funny, though, is this isn't the last time that John Linnell did this. Um, well, I guess, I mean, Linnell makes it seem like he was expanding on the title. I guess he means he is. They might be giants. But um, even though it's a Flans-fronted tune. But Linnell uh, later named a song, a, a song on the, uh, the guitar single or EP, uh, Welcome to the Jungle, which is not a Guns N' Roses cover. He just decided, <laughs> and and Flans is like, surely he's aware of this, yeah. but he just felt like naming the song that too. Just I don't know, just to confuse people. Well, that's that's when you've got the ability or the money or the time to do whatever you want. That's a good. That's always a good thing. You know, there was a you know, there were a couple of inter, uh, instrumental albums by uh, Andy Summers from the Police and, and Robert Fripp. Mm. Mm-hmm. And w- one of their tunes was "What Kind of Band Reads Playboy." You know, uh, they were instrumental, <laughs> so you, there wasn't any imagery. You know, there wasn't any. There weren't any lyrics involved, so it, they could have called it anything they wanted. 
<laughs> right, right. I mean, I guess with out. the with the Mahavishnu uh, sapphire bullets, at least like with like the synthesizers, you get some little pew 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 kind of uh, shooting type sounds, some lasers. It so I don't know, maybe bullet. those are the bullets. Yeah, those might. <laughs> but they're be sapphire the, bullets. They are. They're sapphire bullets of pure love. Yeah. yeah. So right, the, right. and so the, but the beginning of the G, the TMBG song, even in uh, some of these, and you sent me a nice list of covers of. Sapphire bullets too. Uh, uh, but they they have a, it's a little bullety at the beginning. You know? Oh yeah, Oh, I had to, to backtrack just a little bit. A quick question: You said that you really got into them when you were working at the radio station. Yeah. Um, other than obviously, you were playing Birdhouse, right? Were you guys playing Istanbul too? Istanbul, yeah. What else? Were you ever playing Sapphire on the radio, or was yeah, that too deep I think, of a cut? Um, I know for a fact we played that, um, and uh, uh, the, the the Earth is a mass of incandescent gas. You know that. Uh, oh, from the same area. Yeah. The, yeah. Why does the sun shine? Yeah, not on flood, but but close. Yeah. And there there were some other things that don't come to mind that we did play, um, but yeah, such a respect for that kind of wit uh, and that cleverness in the music and and well well is is really uh exemplary of uh how they they did the backwards version of bullets you know, oh god okay we're gonna we'll save that yeah that's okay. just a tease but we will get to that because yeah that's uh you know 30 years after the song uh, you know made its way into the world yeah it's it's, it's, it's pretty wild uh i think first what we need to do though is play people the demo dial a song version yeah. of sapphire bullets of pure love so uh it is unknown exactly what year this was on dial a song but it's been um you know on their answering machine but it's been compiled on this uh Someone lovingly put together these huge compilations, Power of Dial-A-Song and Power of Dial-A-Song 2, and it's on that, that second one. Straight off the, uh, the answering machine. What did you think of that demo version? I thought it was. I I love demo versions. I love to hear demos. Um, you know, not not that they're quite often like wildly different from what ends up, but it's it's interesting to hear. And it's sometimes interesting when you hear a, a section or a lick or something, and you think, "Wow, that would have been." Wonder why that didn't make the cut? You know, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in this case, they they trimmed the end off by the time it got to flood because there's like Linnell belts in on the outro. It's like, here come the bullets. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Or no, or no, what is Linnell? I think Linnell goes, bullets off your love. And then Flan starts going, here come the bullets. <laughs> got trimmed off for flood, but then they started bringing it back when they were doing it live after that. Oh, so it's okay. like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have trimmed that off. But yeah, some of the... Hard to tell what um, goes on and, and ends up in decisions like that when all is involved. Yeah. 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 Also, the tempo's a little quicker on the uh, the demo. It's a little speedier. And I love Flans' delivery. It's like more sassy or something. He's like, pistol shots. Yeah, it does. It does. It, shots. It's, 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 it's almost a lounge kind of thing. It's a, hey, yeah. pistol shot. <laughs> Which Flance used to do a lot. Like that that keeps coming up on a lot of these early songs, these crooner type songs that he used to do. He doesn't seem to fall back on that that uh character as much anymore. But but yeah, the crooner kind of got worked out of it by the time it, it came to flood uh flood time. Um yeah, and in that, that same Rolling Stone interview from two thousand nine, he says this is a track we reworked for Flood, which saying he reworked I mean they've they premiered so many things on dial a song and then reworked them it seems funny that he points that out that they reworked it right because it's not like it appeared on anything else so they, properly they must have really yeah. reworked it more than other things that they reworked perhaps maybe that's what he's getting maybe at. yeah i don't know yeah and then he goes on to say he said the sounds are very cool but it's quite a production we also used uh used to do the song as a duo and that version had a nice simplicity to it and so while I'm saying that, I usually save live versions, but there's a live version pre-flood uh, that I found at this 1989 live version. Yeah. Uh, so let's play that for the people. We'll strip down. Yeah, do you like that? Yeah. I mean the the drum the drum programming is a little more simple. It doesn't have the um I mean same with the dialogue songs. It doesn't have like the metal sounding elements. Right. It just kind of has more of a snare. Right. I don't, type I don't sound. Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind the simpler version. I kind of like it. 
Yeah, sure, sure. And the um, and obviously it's live, so like the things that are come come through in the uh, mix, quote unquote. I don't know who recorded this. Um, honestly, it sounds really freaking good for a 1989 yeah, live when, recording. Yeah, when you look back, and it, yeah, and I don't think that was I don't you know they didn't have a giant mobile recording setup <laughs> thing to do that with. So that, that was that was yeah. well done. Well done. But the uh, the accordion comes through really nice. Like the the little keyboard parts are all on the backing track, obviously. Uh, but then the accordion's coming through much louder than than ended up on the album. And uh, and yeah, the harmonies the whole way through. The Linnell harmony comes through a lot stronger, so you get to really notice what he's doing there. So that, that was cool to hear it in that uh, early early pre flood version. I had a near. Uh, I had a, a very close. A brush with accordion. I almost played accordion when I was a kid. <laughs> I started to take accordion lessons, and uh, oh yeah, the teacher moved away or something, and and so I ended up not going ahead with them. And later on, my dad said to me, "I was so glad when you stopped playing the accordion." <laughs> it's just because we we're in northern Indiana, and he he was gigging Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and a lot of times it was with bands. And in northern Indiana, you had to play a lot of polkas at weddings and stuff. And so sure. he had yeah. negative associations with the accordion. So, yeah, I um, yeah, I am uh, an accordionist myself. I wouldn't say it's my specialty, but I did take lessons. Um, yeah, about a decade ago, actually, probably yeah. And I played in an ensemble in an accordion ensemble in Bloomington. Oh, cool! Uh, when when we lived down there, and our teacher, she was from Bulgaria, and in Bulgaria, apparently, you can major in accordion performance. You can get a degree in accordion oh, performance. Wow. Uh, it's still serious stuff over there. And she refused to play polka. Our group did not play polka because right. she did not want to get typecast. Is that? No. I mean, we were playing all kinds of stuff. We were playing a lot of traditional folk. Uh, European folk songs and like Italian ballads and Irish, you know, jig music and stuff like that. But we were also playing like excerpts of symphonies and shit on right. five accordions. Well, you don't it was wanna, pretty glorious. You don't want to <laughs> you don't want to pigeonhole an, an instrument based on the you know crummiest music that you can play on it. I mean, that's what happens <laughs> with the accordion. You know, yeah, I got nothing against polka. But I think a lot of people find it. If you're playing for extremely drunk. Uh, Eastern European <laughs> descended regionites at a, at a wedding in a Serbian hall in Merrillville. You better know at least you better either know a few polkas or be willing to play one a lot of times. <laughs> That's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these guys bring stuff. an accordion out and they do good things with it. It can be the power can be used for good, not not always evil. Okay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And it's such a big part of their um, their imagery too, their aesthetic. It's in like every right. promo. I mean, even though I mean, if you really went through and counted the accordion songs, it's like maybe like uh, maybe like ten percent of their songs have accordion. Maybe not even that. Right. But it's it's such an iconic. It's it's such a visually striking instrument. Oh, I yeah. think you know, yeah, and just like much. the action of playing an accordion. It's just very. I mean, to me awesome looking (laughs) yeah no it's really cool it's really cool yeah yeah so but i wouldn't say it's the star of the show on sapphire bullets of pure love but let's talk about the um the musical elements uh we've we've alluded to a couple of the things already but what are your favorite musical elements without even getting to the lyrics yet 
I, uh, I think the, the one thing, the versatility of this, the song is really brought out by when you hear some of these covers that people mm-hmm. do, like you can do a lot of different, a lot of different things. So, um, so it, it's a really nice, uh, canvas, um, for other people to work with. And I think it, it's got a pretty iconic opening. Like you, you wouldn't confuse it for another song. You heard the opening when you hear the opening. Yeah. The album. fade in, you know, it's funny. Other than, other than the title, the Mahavishnu track also fades in. So they're, they're both fade in right. tracks. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I think that I don't, I don't know where the Mahavishnu one came. I wouldn't be surprised to find out, well, we just, there, we had this thing, you know, we had 20 seconds of people doing stuff and we just thought, well, let's, let's toss it in there. I, you know, I don't see a band <laughs> meeting resulting in that being on that record somehow. Yeah. I bet it was just them fucking around in the studio and the tape happened to be rolling. And they're like, right. Yeah, actually we like that. Cause I wanted to listen to the full album to see if it kind of connected tracks, but it, doesn't it's not a you know transitional track it's like you know the track before stops it does that little 20 second thing it stops the next track starts i'm like okay it's just there we just did that that was 20 seconds (laughs) hope you hope you liked it it goes a little bit like this 20 seconds yeah i I do like definitely translate as well from like the uh first of all in the original always love their their vocals which are again another unmistakable thing about a band about mm-hmm. these these guys um and i love the way they open that song uh, it's just it's just great and it has this quality that's in a lot of their stuff where it's the music itself it seem is kind of gentle but they're talking about firearms no, right. <laughs> <laughs> right or are they yeah it's it's yeah no, it's, it's right. great it's it's this balancing act so Flans does the lead vocal. You do get Linnell on the backups, but there is no uh, guitar on this song. All the instrumental stuff is all Linnell. I mean, Flans could have programmed the drum machine. We don't really know that, but you know, it's all keyboards and accordion. So it's a very uh, Linnell propelled track with with Flans on lead. Uh, but then, as we'll hear later live, they do start working some guitars into it yeah they a lot did. of the covers will listen to well too yeah, yeah the live the live version is a little more guitarish and yeah some of the covers have a number of interesting instruments that they brought in uh, the tool the casio fc1 uh-huh that uh made these clanging sounds readily commercially available by now i would think i mean i don't know it's vintage equipment at this point yeah. but uh i know i know some i mean there are they might be Giants fans that are way more even rabid than I am enough that they're buying some of that old gear that the guys had just to right. <laughs> be able to screw with what they were screwing with. Right. Or find somebody who's got a synth that can make those kinds of sounds or, you know, something that you can put in your, your yeah. jaw and work with. Mm-hmm. I got some, uh, this is my, uh, right there, Roland Juno 60. It's really? 1982 Ooh. analog. Oh, there you go. Synth. Yeah, I have some xylophony type sounds i've made on there too i designed all the sounds on it it's super fun um i've been playing around with i've been playing around with uh with this thing so uh yeah what do you call this the ewe the electronic <laughs> the wind instrument yeah and actually like a clarinet the, yeah. uh, uh fletcher pointed out to me that it it says uh wireless electronic wind instruments so it's actually a wee wee think about it <laughs> <laughs> can you play something for us um 
Gosh, you know what? I'm not sure. No, I'd have to. It'd have to be. Oh, it does have to go through a bunch of stuff to do that. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, okay. make its own. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's okay. cool. It, it has a, it, uh, a a number of sounds, and some some of them are pretty damn good. It's got like a B3 organ thing on it, and uh, <laughs> harmonica, and saxophone, and yeah, horn choruses, and some stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. It's super fun. And some that's wacky synth stuff on there as well. So I don't know if on the wiki you clicked over to the uh, the guitar tab, and uh, but uh, the chord progressions on the song is kind of messing with my head. <laughs> Did you take a look at that? Oh, uh, I haven't seen it. It's nuts. If uh, the uh, whoever tabbed it out here um, puts it as E major, but we get right off the bat a E. And then to a B flat, a, a B flat half diminished seventh, or something wow. crazy like that. Wow. But like B flat's not in the key of E, right? So it's it's some. I was trying to figure out if it was some other sort of weird mode, but it does it does settle into E when it gets into the uh, bullets from a revolver and the John I've been bad does have some accidentals in it. Yeah, it kind of it bounces out of the the key of E so much. I, I mean, I don't even know if I'd call it, it if it really sits in any key in particular. It's all over the place. Well, sometimes you and, just have to pick one. <laughs> what key is that in? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, it starts on E. Let's just say it in e, it's in E, which is not always the case, though. Yeah. Um, a lot of guitarists seem to think that's the case on a, in particular, uh, which I don't know. Regardless Some of what they're of doing theory-wise, it gives it a rich kind of sound. Yeah, it gives it almost a, almost a spooky kind of sound, I feel like. like that. I mean, you don't hear a whole lot of rock bands using, at least, you know, more radio-friendly rock bands, which they were at the time, using diminished chords and stuff like that. Yeah, no, you know? they're, they're very sophisticated that way. And, and um, they, don't, they don't play themselves off as sophisticated. But their, their music is more complex than it does, seems, you know. It's like a, a really good gourmet dish. <laughs> yeah. But the people that tab this, there are on, on the wiki listed five people that have contributed to this tab because it must have been something that has just been stumping people over the years and people have just kept going on the wiki to... to I'm like no, actually, it's this. So there's been a lot of work put into this. I just the only thing I'm debating is that if it's in the key of E. Other than that, it looks like it's it's pretty thoroughly tabbed out and and. Uh, well, if it took a committee to figure it out, and it's seriously, I mean, that's some something substance to what's going on, <laughs> right? But when you listen to it, it's not like I mean, when I was listening to Mahavishnu Orchestra, not this is a knock against them, but you're like shit man this is some hard ass music oh. this is what is going on here it's like <laughs> they couldn't they i don't think they could stay in one time signature for more than like four measures oh, were, uh, before bounce into something else yeah. uh but with with they might be giant sapphire bullets it's it sounds simple but it ain't but it's absolutely not <laughs> yeah no, that's 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 a, a really beautiful a gorgeous part of what they're doing they, mm -hmm. they make it look easy it doesn't seem like it's the amount of work that it obviously, you know, it, it has to have been to put these things together. And, and uh, 
musicians who who start trying to cover their stuff realize that pretty quickly. Have you have you ever covered a They Might Be Giants song? No, you know what? No, I haven't really? done that in any any context yet. My partner, my musical partner Larry Smiak and I have done a bunch of we have a bunch of covers on uh, YouTube on this Rick and Larry uh, page. We the last okay. the last thing we did. Well, we heard. We've covered uh, Redemption, Mar- Bob Marley Redemption songs for years, but we 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 did record that recently, and we're working on a Michael Hedges uh, tune. Uh, Michael Hedges was this guy who uh, he was on Wyndham Hill Records for, uh, for a little mm. while, and uh, died. In a, I think he died in a car accident, but he was an he was an amazing guitar player. The closest uh, uh, somebody who plays a lot like Michael Hedges plays is, is uh, K- uh, Michael Kelsey. I know mm, you okay. know where I've heard play, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with Michael Hedges though. Yeah, we're working on something of working on something of his, and uh, um, you know, some Leonard Cohen and some other things like that. Nice. Loud and Wayne. Right? You should get some Giants in yeah, there. Yeah, we do, and and it would fit <laughs> well because I've always I always like you know as i mentioned before the wordplay and and we do we do some uh, we cover some Loud and Wayne right and we cover some Randy Newman and. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Leonard Cohen and things like that. People with a with a real way with with words, and so that would it would fit nicely. It would. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of that wordplay. Uh, what are your? Uh, yeah. So you notice the t- the title, right? And these guys actually work the title into the uh, song, unlike Mahavishnu Orchestra. What are your favorite things about the lyrics? Are there any particular lines? Or no, in actually, my my biggest impression with the lyrics came from just wondering what the hell that song was going to be about. Uh, you know, wow, right. I wonder what they've done because they didn't. It, it's long. It's about six times as long as your the Mahavishnu <laughs> track, so they must be doing something with it. Uh, but but it's still only a minute and thirty six. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, so that just so that part impressed me. Uh, just the you know how bold they were in titling a song that uh, and then and then playing it and and again like i say it's uh it's not dark per se but it's also not like a sunny romp in the park you know it's it's just an interesting interesting narrative and you know an interesting and and there's something to be said for getting in and out of a song you can play oh, too yeah. you can play too long you know yeah they don't they, they don't i have nothing time. against jam bands but you know, sometimes you can go to one, go to a jam band show and hear like three songs, but they played for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might giants need a lot of songs to fill that much time. Uh, what I'm finding interesting is looking at the lyrics on the page in front of me right now is just all the uh, well synonyms I suppose they use. There's really a lot of repetition at the beginning. I think mostly for kind of um, rhythmic and musical uh elements but the pistol shots gunshots pistol shots gunshots bullets from a revolver bullets from a gun those are all pretty much saying the same thing you know, yeah. you know in different ways right 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 you got a gun you got a pistol you got a revolver <laughs> right and you know in the context of there being so many guns around you know, it, mm, works, yeah. it works nicely <laughs> there's 300 million guns and there's 300 million of us in the country so it's like if every we have enough guns that everybody's baby could be hard (laughs) yeah i mean when they were writing this album they were coming straight out of the reagan cowboy president era right uh right yeah 
Um, and then the bullets through the atmosphere. Then you're getting like, oh, a little more, uh, a little more uh, cerebral there. You bullets through the atmosphere instead of just saying, you know, he says here they come instead of just the bullets coming through the air. It's coming through the atmosphere, right? Which I I took to mean like either missiles or rockets, you know, as okay. being actual bullets, you know, projectiles. And when Jules Verne wrote from the Earth to the Moon in a, in a trip around it, and he, he predicted that there were in that book there were people in Texas and Florida involved with the launch, <laughs> and they shot this capsule-sized bullet out of a huge gun, and that's that's that was how he was d- describing a flight to the Moon from Earth, which was you mm-hmm. know for a nineteen for somebody writing in the nineteenth century was int- pretty interesting, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I kind of took that as just as kind of a reference to, you know, larger projectiles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, what's going on in the next stanza? The uh, the little bridge, you might call it. It's, it's kind of hard to define the sections of this song because it's so right. short. Nothing really repeats all that much. Uh, John, I've been bad, and they're coming after me. Done someone wrong, and I fear that it was me. Yeah. What do you make of that. Well, I just. I figured they worked John in there uh, because of the Mahavishnu connection. Okay. I know, I know yeah, they their leader John is a well, John as well. You no, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I never, I never thought of it that <laughs> way. And on the, the, uh, the uh, sly uh, reference in, uh, yeah. in a way. <laughs> you might be right. Yeah. And the. Uh, I'm too cool to talk about myself, but there is another guy with my. <laughs> <laughs> talk about myself or my bandmate. Uh, to me, though, I mean, this one, I think, I don't know, I was thinking about this uh, just this week, getting ready for this episode, and, you know, it's hard to say what it's about since there's so few words in the song and so much of it is repetitive you know, synonyms and such. Um, but to me, I always felt like this was um, about a breakup, but perhaps that he was the one that broke it off and then is regretting what he's done, what he's done, and I think maybe he's kind of referring to himself in the third person. John, he says, "I've been bad, and they're coming after me." I don't know the love police, right? I've done something wrong, and I fear that it was me. Right, and kind of like, I mean, you've also got sapphire bullets. A sapphire, you know, is a gem, something that could be in a, uh, you know, it could be in a, in an engagement ring. Right, um, right. And now, you know, the sapphire, it's you know, it's going through his heart. He's uh, he's done something terrible he's lost the love of his life right i don't know that's right. that, that's yeah. the best i got <laughs> there is some of the, the 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 protagonist is talking to himself uh, for sure definitely yeah. yeah but yeah it does get confu- <laughs> it does get confusing when both guys in the band are named john and uh yeah i hadn't thought of that that uh, <laughs> john was the band leader of uh Mahavishnu yeah yeah as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah also, just that phrase just sounds so good. It's just so poetic, and it just fits so perfectly. It's just such a perfect thing to make a melody out of, and I think that's what you know what Linnell was talking about in that, and the that idea interview. Of sapphire bullets is pretty cool because even if you get shot up, you're you're just encrusted with jewels. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I need a I need a setting without a stone stat. This man's full of jewelry. Yeah, hold on. Let me. Let me. He went to Jared and got shot. Me... <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me. Let me look this up before I. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with the rapper Lil Uzi Vert. No. He has he just recently had a twenty four million dollar pink diamond implanted onto his forehead. What? (laughs) Which just maybe well there's nothing behind that hole. (laughs) (laughs) There's no potential for brain damage, so. Ouch. People put jewelry in places that I, I can't imagine why you would want jewelry there. Like, for instance, embedded in your skull would be one. That's the that's why also, you know, when people put them uh, in private areas and stuff. And I always think, uh, you know, maybe it's just a weird theory on my part, but I figure if I have them out in a way that somebody else is going to see them, I'm hoping they don't need adornment. That we're going to... We're going to use this, whatever that is, uh, for its intended purpose. Why I don't need to hang tinsel off of it to make it interesting. <laughs> right. Hopefully. God, yeah. Putting a 24, I mean, $24 million pink diamond, that's just a good way to get killed or at least get beaten to a pulp and someone digging something out of your forehead. Well, that's and it's also, just asking for trouble. Also, really, really hard to, to talk about how rough you have it coming up out of the streets when you've got $24 million <laughs> stuck yeah. in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know much about this, this guy's story. If he's in, <laughs> you a, lot to be of from. Person, a lot of people with your skull jewelry, bud. <laughs> man, he, he worked his way up in the world up to where he could waste that much money on something stupid. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we heard a, uh, 1989 version. Let's jump all the way to 2013, uh, released in 2015, the Flood Live in Australia album. Uh, I sent you an MP3 of this because uh, it uh, is somehow not on YouTube or anywhere, but recorded on their 2013 Australian tour. Let's hear it with the modern five-piece lineup playing it. guitar in there now doubling we still got the the plinky keyboard yeah but it flushes things out though yeah yeah you got uh probably it's dan miller playing that it's kind of palm muted behind there and he lets those high notes ring out a little bit more i love a live version i I think they ought to be somehow i don't know sort of like just almost mandatory like you do an album and then play go play that thing live and record that you know because for one thing you can do it now 
you, you know, when I was a kid and first was buying albums, live albums generally sucked, regardless of the quality mm-hmm. of the band, because they just mm-hmm. the, the technology had, hadn't caught up to the to the music in terms of getting a capturing live performances. And I think, well, Frank was ahead of the curve on Zappa. He had Zappa. He mm-hmm. had this, this the truck and the you know the mobile thing, and he was really interested in recording uh, live stuff. Um, and getting it out in front of the bootlegs, so he, his his recorded version would come out before the bootleggers did it. But that's uh, smart. Live live records, live versions of songs that you've heard over and over again on on the on the albums, they just have more information. You know, they, mm, they get fleshed mm-hmm. out with more in, with with the infra, in, instrumentation, and uh, it puts a little more you know different meat on the bones there of the song. That sort of thing. I, I I think it's 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 just great for bands to do these live type of things, while they can still perform yeah. and while they can still do it. And when they if they can do what they were doing as well as they used to, you know, I I remember seeing a thing where Zeppelin did a one-off reunion show and they were practicing these tunes and people were writing mm-hmm. snarkily about that they were playing some of them in different keys, and I, I thought, <laughs> no, the man's like. Uh, at this point, he was like fifty some years old, and you know he was like twenty when they made these records. Like, can you sing as well as you did if you're that old? Can you sing as well right. as you did thirty five years ago? Probably not. Especially just, the registers that. Just, yeah. So if you know if that you, plant was singing, then yeah, <laughs> down a couple of steps. It's the songs are still there. Uh, but the but the live but the live performance uh, when when the band is at full strength musically. Uh, and it just it just tells you more about the song than you mm-hmm. from just hearing the studio version. Yeah, and it sounds great. And Marty Beller, uh, he's been their drummer for so long now, but he is great at uh, taking these previously drum machine songs and keeping enough of the original drum machiney type elements of it while still giving it you know his own yeah, and still having Marty, a feel, Marty yeah, twist, still having a human feel along with it. Which, mm-hmm. which is the which is the main part of of the fleshiest part of fleshing the tune out when you have that difference in the in the rhythm section and the drums particularly and like you say mm-hmm. he did a good job of the, the feel the feel is still there but there's also this this human element that comes with having an actual guy playing the drums there that's really good really good right yeah and so, so yeah, you're you're into live recordings. Are you into uh, bands playing songs backwards live? <laughs> you know, the first time I heard that, I, that, that tripped me out. And it was sometime around then, within a couple of years, a year or so. I forget how long ago that was recorded. How long ago I heard that? But sometime around when it, when I first heard that song, our, the drummer in our band, Dennis Lease, had uh, mm-hmm. made a, a looper, and it had a reverse thing on it. We sat oh, in his sure. house one night, just doing things, and then playing them back, <laughs> you know, backwards, yeah. and then playing them, recording them backwards, and then playing them forwards again. And that's another thing that's not as easy as it sounds, because words pronounced oh, yeah. backwards aren't. They're not pronounced backwards the way they're spelled. It's the sounds, you know, uh, the sounds have to be, have to make the sounds a certain way. It's not just yeah. taking 
like you know the f word and saying cuff you know it's like it's a different (laughs) it's a different thing well yeah so let's give people a little background on uh so they refer to it as stilub or bullets backwards (laughs) uh so on uh their again on their tumblr uh blog someone asked uh john flansburg why they chose sapphire bullets and uh he says quote uh, simply because we were doing so many flood shows, at least they were supposed to, and they got cut short. I was trying to think of how we could approach the material in new ways that would kind of sharpen up our focus and push things beyond the music under the glass issue of full album shows. It also struck me immediately as probably too hard, but John Linnell and Marty seemed particularly intrigued by the very specific musical challenges that would come up trying to reproduce something that would actually scan properly played in reverse. So they were very game to dig in. I can't recall how the short list was created initially, but I think we liked the idea of something with a vocal harmony just to have that extra layer of musical interest, which I would say then they're making an extra challenge for themselves, both needing to pronounce the words backwards. Uh, And then he says, uh, and doing a shorter song just so it wasn't too much of an endurance test for the audience the track itself with its kind of palindromic guitar figure and busy rhythms might seem a little unchanged from the original but everybody faced the challenge head on he says it's still a work in progress i haven't really nailed all the lyrics but i think it's getting there it's pretty cool Uh, and they even (laughs) they they even it's not choreography but they're walking onto the mic and off they even do that and forward and backwards type of thing yeah, the the video is pretty pretty outstanding, and the one that I sent you, this one is uh, is by Peter Gritch, YouTube channel Waymu W A Y M U. Uh, he's pretty big in the fan community for getting uh, good audio and video up. Big name in the fandom, and so he was at this debut performance. Now, when they were doing this flood uh, tour, we know they did it during their sound check because peter john ulis mike buffington some of that new york crew they heard it through the door in pauling new york at daryl's house uh this is 2020 january 10th and then at the bowery ballroom in new york on january 11th they still didn't play they're probably still fleshing it out uh but then about a month later when they started the shows back up again the third show of the tour uh new haven connecticut College Street Music Hall. This is February 6th. That is when they debuted it. And that's what uh, you're hearing. And I think, yeah, I guess if I haven't dropped it in yet, I'll drop it in here. We like to talk about this for a long time because we spent literally weeks learning how to do this. And we're trying to, you know, get our money's worth. Yeah. There's, not, there's not a lot to show for it. And it's not a big payoff. <laughs> Unfortunately... It's not that fun to listen to, but it was really hard to learn it. And that's the important thing, is dragging everybody down with us. So here we go. This, uh, this song is, we don't know what the song is called. It doesn't make any sense. Oh 
And then what Peter did is he reversed it, making the backwards song sound forward. How do you think they did? They did a great job. And one thing it makes you do is when you realize that that's what's happening, that's what's going to happen. It really makes you listen hard to to, to pick out words. <laughs> you know, you can hear you can hear bullets comes out very nicely, and uh, some of the, some of the other uh, words that you know you can there when you reverse them and reverse them again they're, they're articulated you know it's pretty cool but it does make you listen like a connect the dots kind of thing you know <laughs> it's so funny so there's a there's an article in the ringer before this was premiered and <laughs> linnell uh sarcastically <laughs> describes their their undertaking as a heroic effort <laughs> but he's he says it came out sounding surprisingly musical and he said john and i have spent hours and hours at this point trying to memorize the backward lyrics uh and what we've been able to do at rehearsal is singing up holding lyric sheets in front of our faces but we still haven't mastered the off the book version but if you look in that in that video flans does look like he's a music stand in front of him but he doesn't look like he's looking at it and linnell does not have anything in front of yeah. him so it looks like they got it pretty well memorized it's difficult I, I mean when 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 dennis made his looper thing and we were doing that 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 night we we're just doing some phrases and sentences and you know little pieces of lyrics and stuff like that and and it's not it's not easy it's it's very difficult because, because yeah. the words aren't absolutely reversible it's the, the sounds become different so it's it's really mm -hmm. cool i admire their idea for doing it and i admire every time bands do things to keep stuff interesting for themselves because yeah. it always you always get good product from that and, you know, they had attempted this uh, in a much smaller scale back on Apollo 18 with, uh, or I'm sorry, on Apollo 18 with um, Dinner Bell, the bridge, the shoulder, bicep, elbow, arm sounds so weird the way Linnell is singing it because he sang it backwards and then they reverse it. So that's why it's yeah. like, shoulder, bicep, elbow, arm. So... <laughs> This is something that I think they've been intrigued with for, for a long time. Yeah, let's just put uh, something in there backwards. 
What there's another there's a popular song. Oh, uh, um, Paul Simon. You can call me Al, mm. and there's a bass part in it. And the, yeah, it's it's two parts. There's the bass part, and then there's that that part backwards right after it. And it turns around. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, somebody told me about that, so then I had to go take it into a studio and I turned it around and listened to it. You know, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool <laughs> device to to use. But again, it's one thing on, uh, you know, twelve bars of an instrumental thing. It's a whole other thing doing lyrics backwards. Skill. Yeah. Skill. Yeah. You know. Right, because like with the, uh, yeah, so the, the, the dudes in the band, I mean, Linnell takes it easy on himself by, he doesn't play the keyboard on it. He just lets Dan Miller handle the guitar. You got Danny Wankoff on the bass and Marty on the drums. So yeah, they're just kind of, it's almost like they're learning a new song. They just have right. to learn this riff this way now. Keeping backwards you know? lyrics and backwards riffs in your head is, is enough. You don't need to multitask while you're doing that. You yeah, he's know. like... <laughs> Screw this. I'm not playing the keyboard. Yeah. But, so about a month before they debuted it, uh, they posted on their Facebook page the sheet music that uh, they they posted. And it's, it looks like it's the, the charting out of the vocal harmony, and it has the lyrics underneath. And that's also that's been posted onto the wiki. Stilub has its own uh, wiki page yeah. now, too. Um, and it has the lyric sheet on there, too. So if you want to attempt to yourself to sing along with the backwards version. But I think my favorite is the um, gunshots turning into stosh nog. Right. <laughs> and then the pistol shots is uh stosh, stosh lit sip. <laughs> see, I, I would like to see some kind of graph of the, the brain activity of somebody who's singing and playing something backwards that they know forwards. It must be a storm oh, just in that particular area of the brain. Yeah. A complete storm <laughs> of activity going on, trying to remember the stuff backwards and forwards. That's crazy. Crazy. Seriously. And so they only got seven cracks at it before the uh, coronavirus shut the tour down. Um, I wonder if they've been, they've been keeping up with it over the time. They're like, we can't, we can't let this, you know, escape our brains. We, we got to keep doing this every now and then. I would think if you ever intend to do it again, you have to, you would have to work, you know, do it once Ooh. every now and then, even when you weren't performing live, you'd have to do it just to keep doing that going in your head. Cause you can get, well, other people, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself now, but you know, we, my, my band, we get together before prior pre pandemic, yeah. we were getting together like once every week or a couple of weeks and, Mm-hmm. You could for if you if something good came out of a jam uh, in the rehearsal before no one remembers it in two weeks. It was too much, too much <laughs> right. going on, and I, I can only imagine that if we were playing something that we had learned over a period of years backwards, that would I that would be a working <laughs> up a big sweat to do that one. Yeah, yeah, and sadly they just pushed these shows back again. Uh, these these shows that were supposed to be last spring were then rescheduled for this spring, but they've just announced, a lot of the venues are starting to announce that it's been pushed again till next spring. They're just, they're just pushing back a whole year, yeah. I guess. So rather than, you know, their management and booking people trying to do something for the fall and then having it all get, you know, fucked up again, you know, I guess they figured we'll just, we'll just give it a little, a little space. And and th- and think you know in a full year, 
next spring, right? We can do this. But yeah, Todd yeah. Rundgren has an interesting thing going where he's got a, he has this ten piece band, and they're they're, mm-hmm. they're in Chicago, and they're in a space in Chicago, but they're playing dates for different cities, like a, it's a virtual tour from Chicago. So you, you know, so you, you can only you can access in, the in virtual or probably mm-hmm. in Chicago, you know, from here. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then they you know sort of decorate their set with memorabilia and stuff that would be like if you were in whatever city they're supposed to be playing in that particular night. Oh, that's fun! So <laughs> it's an interesting workaround, and uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. You know, and you know, I think what you know, the tickets are like thirty-five bucks, so it's not you know, not an, an insane uh, price to do it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. people have had some interesting uh, ways to get around the restricted travel type of thing and so i hope i hope people get back into the uh, regular act of playing live and we all get to go out and see shows pretty soon and, yeah, and, so. and do it and i think it just uh, is a matter of uh more people do the stuff that's pretty obviously right and pretty freaking easy to do yes everybody yeah when as soon as you can go get vaccinated like uh like this guy over here I just, I just love when you see clips of people like standing in stores. To, like if I knew that a store wanted you to have a mask on to go shop, I wouldn't go down there in order to argue with anybody. Like I would only go to the shop to buy the thing that I wanted, which I would wear any number of masks if I could just get in and out of the store. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's so ridiculous that a safety measure has become like a political thing yeah that's like that's the thing you're not asking nobody's asking you to do an impossible or painful or dangerous thing it's it's not like they're asking you to cover your eyes and go outside (laughs) 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 like in like in uh, what was that movie called bird box i'm sorry uh, sir you don't have your eye you don't have your eye mask (laughs) on you can plainly see and you're going to bump into somebody What do you say we head over to this covers section? Yeah, there's some interesting. These covers are, are interesting, and I'm I'm glad that you did winnow them down because I know, like you say, there's there's a huge huge number of them. Yeah, it could have been more than double this list I yeah. sent you, but I uh, I honestly didn't expect it to be this th- covered this much because it is such a deep cut off of right flood. You know, it's not one of the singles. It's not one of the poppiest songs. It's a pretty short little number, you know, back half of the album. Um, but yeah, man, once I got into it, I'm like, whew, okay, I got to start being more selective. Yeah, the diversity of approaches to the song from these some from these different uh, bands and artists is pretty interesting too. So this first one, let's let people listen to uh, Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm covering it at. Uh, Ooh, let's see. This is 2009, uh, covering it at Chicago Park West.
familiar with either Jonathan Colton or Pollen Storm? No, no, I, I wasn't. No. Yeah, I was wondering if you would have heard of Pollen Storm. Um, they are, I mean, pretty much a, a comedy musical duo. Um, and I know, God, I haven't listened to Bob and Tom in years, but uh, Bob and Tom used to play them quite a bit. If you ever listened to to those guys, but um, a comedy musical act. Uh, and then Jonathan Colton is a bit of a comedy musician too, but all of these guys are down with They Might Be Giants. They are, I mean, you could say they're pretty friendly with They Might Be Giants. Oh, cool. Jonathan Colton does like a musical uh, cruise, you know, most years. The Joko Cruise, Jonathan Colton, and They Might Be Giants have played that, uh, and he frequently covers They Might Be Giants songs. Um, but uh, so here, yeah, they're doing it live with... Um, Paul and Storm, it looks like on bass and keyboards, and then Jonathan Colton on acoustic guitar. What did you think of this cover? I, I like I like that version, and it doesn't stray that far from, you know, it's not like it's a whole new exploration of the of the tune uh, by them. It doesn't stray that, that far from the original version. Uh, Gets a little more folky, though. It is Colton's more, given that kind of finger-picked acoustic. It, it is more, it, it is more, it is, it's not... I guess you wouldn't call it like an unplugged kind of thing, but it is. It does have that folk kind of spirit to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a drumless, being percussion free right. also helps add to that and makes it even more chill than the original. Right. Right. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty solid. It is solid. Uh, and again, yeah, doing it live. This song, I mean, like I said, that chord progression is just so nutty. It goes. So many different places to, in a minute and a half. Uh, I'm just impressed by anyone who can just bust this out <laughs> live, yeah. you know, let alone do it in the studio. Forward or backwards. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and then, okay, we're heading over to Bandcamp, tmbs.bandcamp.com. Uh, TMBS stands for they might be shit posting. I'm not sure if you're familiar what shit posting is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about that, but it is Great a fan well. group that does basically, you know, jokes and memes about they might be giants, stuff like that. Lovingly, of course. And so, uh, Ekalemchi Okembo, who is a, uh, a prominent poster over in that Facebook group, he organized this fan compilation tribute for floods 30th anniversary. And there are, I believe, six covers of sapphire bullets of pure love on this because this this compilation he just anyone who wanted to, to submit a cover to it he put it on there it's uh 76 tracks wow. 76 tracks wow. i am on there once i do a cover of birdhouse in the style of uh, i guess nirvana kind of right. bash it out loud cover of birdhouse uh that's my one contribution to it but so there were s- six versions of sapphire bullets I whittled it down to my favorite two. And this first one is a band called The Puppet the Heads. Puppet. And it's Rachel Jones, Blake Thompson, and Chelsea Garcia. Let's listen to them do it.
That gives me a big grin. I love the vocals and, and, and the whole the the whole spirit of it. It's almost like the laws met. They might be giants somewhere in the middle. I don't know. It's a it's a really cool, really cool version. One of my favorites among these. Yeah, the laws. Um, they're big. There she goes was their big yeah. single, right? Yeah, yeah. For for people who don't know that name, they only put out one album. Um, yeah, but this the the female vocals and, and harmonies there. It just really makes it sweet. Yeah, it does. Sweet. It makes it sweet. It's there's plenty of sweetener there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. Let's keep moving along to the other one. Um, and it's a great favorite. The of great mine. thing about having six covers on a compilation is that it only takes up room for one song anyway played six times so <laughs> six times but yeah, this was previous to uh no one had heard it backwards yet i would have i would love to have been able to dig up a cover of someone covering yeah. stilu rather than covering sapphire i think that, that's a that's almost like another show like getting people to do anything right. they want backwards and send it you know <laughs> But actually doing it backwards, not just flipping the tape. Yeah. Right. Uh, so let's listen to, uh, you, you mentioned this one previously out of the whole bunch, uh, Rachel Hayward right. um, doing Sapphire Bolts of Pure Love, which she calls the Redhead Album Remix. But it is cover, not a remix. Let's listen to that. So you mentioned the uh, steel drums, definitely, definitely keyboard steel drums. I don't think we're really talking yeah, steel drums right. here. <laughs> right. But the feel, got that Caribbean it, island it, feel. It does give it that island thing, and, and it just it, it, it really points out how personal uh, the tune is, and, and in the hands of the right people, I can do cool covers of it and do little alterations to it without subtracting of the, any of the spirit of the song. And this one, she goes instrumental. The uh, vocals are covered by saxophones. Yeah. yeah, you got definitely a Barry sax in there, and then either a tenor alto. It's it's kind of hard to tell, but doing all those harmonies, some low little bass notes hit by the Barry as well. It's just very smooth. Very smooth. It's it's a it's a very cool cool version of it. I, I like that one a lot. It's probably my. It's probably number two right after the pup dance. I like that. And it takes me out of these winter doldrums. It does. Steel drum. <laughs> Sapphire bullets of pure spring. Yeah. So let's jump over to uh, soundcloud.com slash Max Dembski. Max Dembski here has been played 
on the show a bunch because he did a 8-bit or uh, you might call them chiptune sometimes, chiptune versions of the entire album of Flood. He did a full cover album of Flood in this old Nintendo style. So let's let people hear Max Dembski. Chiptune. Have you heard this genre? Very no, much? I haven't. But listening to this Max Dembski, I kept thinking, well, the song's about a minute and a half, but if you win extra time, it's like... <laughs> I got an extra life. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> bonus. Awesome. <laughs> I'm a sucker for this kind of I'm stuff. trying to find a place I'm... to put a coin in my computer here. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of my favorite things... I'm trying to find this particular part. This is great, Max. Can I play Burger Time to that? <laughs> oh, oh, God, I you? love Burger Time. <laughs> they have that down at Main Street Amusements. That's that's my wife's favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things is there's a little note bend that he does. Is it on the, let's see, on the, the what would be, you know, it's instrumental, but what would be the pistol shots and then the gun shots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool because it kind of articulates where there's a, a lyric would be. So it's kind of an articulation of that, but the whole sound, yeah. the whole vibe of that that video also game love kind the, of thing is very cool. I also love the NES-style drums that just sound like little explosions. Just like white noise. almost On Nintendo, the consequences, yes. <laughs> And then heading over to Bandcamp to hear a group called Terra and the Dactyls. Get it? Pterodactyls. Terra and the Dactyls. And this is part of a compilation as well that I was not familiar familiar with. But the uh, the Bandcamp that it's on, the address is it's Andy Waldron's bandcamp.com and Andy Waldron, I guess, is the guy that organized this compilation. Uh, and Let's listen to Terra and the Dactyl's contribution to it. Sapphire Bullets. Bullets from a gun Bullets from a gun 
for one for one thing, it's always a challenge to name your band. <laughs> but Terra and the Dactyls is pretty damn cool. I got no argument with that. It sounds like it could be a kid's band name. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it does. It's like on some kind of like Dora the Explorer type of PBR and you know right. yeah. public television show. Terra and Dactyls. Yeah, um, and I like the version too. It's it's pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah, the I love the tone of the guitars. Gives it almost more of like kind of a indie pop kind of feel. It does have that indie pop sort of feel. It's like if Matthew Sweet covered or something. It's got a, yeah. It, 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 I like the sound. The the vocals are great, uh, Tara. If that's what she goes by, uh, the, the John don't, I'm bad. Don't sleep on those dactyls either. They're, they're, yeah. they're doing right. Their damn they're character. no slouches. But she does this. She adds this little soulful element to the part. The uh, John I've been bad. Let's see. Hold on. I'm just listening to it real quick. Right here. John I've been bad. Come in after me. Yeah. There's this little like kind of. You know, Aretha kind of sold just a little, little ad lib there. It was thing. me. She goes up really high. Did her doesn't hurt nobody. That's a good thing. That one, I was really fond of that one. And then we got one more here. Uh, the Mike Penny Orchestra dot uh, And this one, before I play it for people, I want to tell them that the arpeggiated part, what would you know these days be uh, Dan Miller's guitar part is played on a shamisen, a shamisen, which is a three-stringed Japanese instrument, which when I was searching Bandcamp and I just saw the picture of this guy with, with this, I'm like, well, okay, I got to check this out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's let people hear that. Bringing the shamisen to it. It's a fairly faithful cover in that it does still have a very Giants-type uh, backing music right. with some keyboards and stuff like that. Um, and the and the vocals... I mean, the vocals are kind of plain, but uh, that shamisen in there... It's a cool texture. Yeah. It's a very cool texture in that song. Yeah, I figured when I was trying to narrow down covers, I'm like, how often do I play a cover that has shamisen on it? I'd say never Almost yet. Probably <laughs> Never. Surprisingly, in the in the podcast, you know, two and a half year history, I've I've had uh, two harp covers uh, on episodes before, <laughs> but never a shamisen. Never the shamisen cover. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> it, and the tune lends itself to to adding these textures and stuff, but but the, it's it's uh, a good enough song that 
you can um, have people can have fun with it and be creative within it uh, and it doesn't ruin the song or it doesn't change the nature of the song mm-hmm. it's really cool and hell the original has accordion in it which is not a traditional rock band instrument so right. i mean that kind of gives you license covering it to put whatever the heck you want into it because that's what the giants would want what is that right? this is my shamanism <laughs> Oh, we yeah. thought you were gonna do an accordion. No, no, they did that. <laughs> this is this is my thing. This is what I'm into. I was down at Donaldson World and got me a new one just for the just for this day. <laughs> uh, the final portion of this episode, you need to score this song. So we're talking uh, scale of one to ten, and you may use decimals if you like. And you're scoring it against the They Might Be Giants canon. So within no. their canon, how would you rank or how would you score Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love? I would say that because it's such um, a portable thing and such a tune that can be played with in so many ways, including by them doing it backwards, I think that it, that gives it, for me, some you know some serious points. Oh yeah. So you know, I yeah. want to call it. I want to call it. Let's leave some room because there are so many good things, but I want to give that like a seven and a half. Yeah. It's, it's, that, that sounds... it's cool. It's very entertaining. Uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and again, it's probably a good idea, particularly if they didn't, I, I'm sure, you know, they didn't, when they wrote it, they didn't know they were going to be playing it backwards one day, but it's, <laughs> it's a good job that it's a, a minute 39 and not, you know, longer than that. You, you don't want to do stairway backwards, you know, <laughs> 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 if anyone would be up for that challenge it would be them yeah. but uh yeah so what am i giving this thing um yeah but like you said the stillo thing definitely you know renewed my interest in the song and i'd, I'd say that's probably a safe bet to, for a lot of fans because it's uh you know it's kind of a you know it's a late album track on a, an album that has a lot of tracks and you know an album that just has hit after hit just classic song after classic song this one i wouldn't say i put on if i'm making a greatest hits of the mp giants this probably wouldn't go on there but hey if they ever release a live uh version or do a studio version of Silub, that would probably be go on there but extras on the dvd i remember <laughs> But it, yeah, it, it 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 renewed my interest in the song and really made me realize just how well put together and well crafted it is. You know, it gets so much done in a minute and thirty whatever seconds uh, that I, you know I got to give it some respect there. I think, um, but yeah, ranking again, even against all the other songs on Flood, let alone the entire catalog, I think I got to go six point five for Sapphire Bullets. But as far as you know, if I were ranking, you know, live performances, live spectacles, man, still it would be you know (laughs) up near ten. That's That's amazing stuff right there. (laughs) And now, uh, what you got to plug? You're a podcaster yourself. You want to tell people about that? I do have. I have a podcast called. uh, Think This Way, uh, Rick Mummy Park. Think This Way! <laughs> <Told her how. laughs> think this, if I could think that way, I wouldn't need the Yeah, the, uh, kind of that. And uh, um, I've talked to a number of musicians on there. It's not all musicians. I also have uh, Dr. Will Miller has done a couple of episodes with me. I'm an author by the name of Angie Klink, who's a really fine writer. Uh, about. Um, she's got a book about five women that, 
in their time were deans uh, at Purdue, and mm. uh, they shared a bond um, among them. They passed this Bible one from one to the other as they took over the took over the jobs, and they were they were fighting mm. for um, women's equality before it was cool. You know, <laughs> way back yeah, way right. back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but so we want to get different, you know, a diverse kind of number of creative people. Um, on there, and we talk about music and their process and things they have going on. So um, it's pretty interesting. I was I did an audio one for quite a while, and I just wanted to go to a different sort of format, and it was like easier to do in a way, and um, mm-hmm. and particularly now when you can't be physically with people, it's a great way to get people to say yes to it. You're doing an interview because you know they don't have to go anywhere, so. Right. So people can find it on uh, YouTube? Then? On YouTube, uh, on, the, on the channel, uh, Rick Mummy channel, M-U-M-M-E-Y. And we also have uh, my musical partner, Larry Smiak, and I have uh, covers uh, on a section on a channel we call Naked Covers. So you can find it with Rick and Larry on YouTube. And we've got a bunch of different different covers on there. But I think we're going to have to do some, we're going to have to do some, they might be giants on there. And, uh, in, yeah. In we're going to have to do some. And now, now we're going to have to do something backwards because that's going to be in my head uh, until we do something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hey, if you, uh, yeah, if you get some name of giants covers up, if it's one, well, I mean, if, I guess if it's one I haven't done an episode on yet, you will definitely be making into the cover section of a future episode if you guys do one. So uh, keep me posted on that. Yeah. But uh, people can find this might be a podcast all over the place. Uh, best place I like talking to people is on Twitter at this might be a pod. Uh, you got thoughts on Stilube? Anyone out there who saw it in person? Uh, got some? You know, tell us what it was like. I know who a few of you are. If you want to call in, it's 224-801-2930 and leave me a voicemail or write me at this might be a pod at gmail. If you really like uh, the show, I never tell people to go and like rate the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever, but you should go do that too because that helps things apparently with algorithms and all that. Uh, and you can also head over to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast uh, to get some swag and hear some bonus episodes. So, Rick, thanks again for being on. I know you waited a minute, but having to wait for your episode a minute meant that Stilub was created, and we got to talk about that yeah, as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that happened. Things work out for the better, anyway. And so, and people need to be looking because I think we, you and I, need to start a thing where we where we antagonize people into sending us backwards songs. The all backwards songs <laughs> podcast. But again, we say played backwards, not just reverse. Oh, right, tape. no, played not, not just flip. You know, not just flip tape. No, actually played backwards. If you can't prove that, then we don't want it. If if anyone would like to do a backwards cover of the "This Might Be a Podcast" theme song, I will give you one thousand dollars. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, I see someone getting on that right now. Uh, Put my foot in my mouth there. Anyway, uh, thanks again, Rick. It was great talking to you. Thank you. uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, man.